the Baseball 365 Podcast, and here are your hosts, Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Welcome to episode 115 of the Baseball 365 Podcast. My name is Justin Hughes, and thank you for taking some time out of your week to spend with us today. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Baseball365Pod. You can follow myself at Justin Hughes365, and you can follow Andrew at AMCQ82. And if you haven't done so yet, join our Facebook group, Baseball365. Over there, we have just crossed over 2,600 members, and we they are talking about baseball every day of the week. Right now, as the seasons are in the early going, all kinds of discussions about hot starts, cold starts, what are you doing, trades being made. Pretty much, if you are passionate about talking about baseball, and especially if you're passionate about talking about fantasy baseball, that's a great place to be. And the best way you can support the show is to go to iTunes by taking a few moments, leave us a five-star rating, writing a nice review for us. It's a good way to help us get our name out there, and we would be very appreciative. As always, all of these plugs can be found in the show notes. On tonight's episode, Andrew and I have a lot to touch on over the fast starts, players catching our eye, and we will do our first 15 and 15 in a while, and I guess maybe of the season, given it's our first show since the season began. This time with the volatile closing positions situations all over the league. And Andrew, we'll get you on here, and the question of the day, uh, we know it's incredibly early, way too early, but how are your redraft and dynasty teams doing here in the first two weeks? Uh, not too bad. I mean, it's so early. I don't even feel like it matters right now. But uh, main thing, you know, just hoping to avoid injuries and plug along. I mean, I I think most of my teams really are like upper to middle pack. So. Yeah, it's fine, but it's like I think we're six percent of the way through the season. So <laughs> very, very, it's very like, early. It's pretty irrelevant as far as the standings go. I feel like, yeah, it's early, but still, it's nice not to be digging yourself into holes, especially in like I, when I think of holes, I specifically think of the ERA department. I think it just sucks if you a week or two in have like a four point eight, five point two ERA just because you keep having blowups left and right. I don't know. That's the one that always bothers me whenever I start really in the hole on that one. Um, so first, I guess my next question, just in terms of these first two weeks of the season, what player or players do you think have been the big stories in the early going? Uh, the, the first one I thought of when I read this question is probably Otani. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, just because, you know, it's kind of all working together right now. So, yeah, I saw you hit his fourth home run tonight. Um, that was a blast, too. <laughs> yeah, it'll be be really interesting to see how season goes for him. I mean, obviously special talent. So just hope he can stay healthy mostly. Yeah, that that Sunday night baseball game a week and a half ago, I mean, he looked electric on the mound. They Joe Madden decided to let him hit and i i mean i think that's the first time in a hundred years or so that they've had a chosen to have a pitcher hit and i think the first time ever that he hit second or if not it was like a hundred years 
and he rewarded Joe Madden for making that decision because that home run was incredible that night. I mean, that's what everybody was talking about between that and his pitching performance. And then, of course, it kind of fell apart in the fifth inning there, and I think it was the fifth. Wasn't it the fifth inning? I'm not. I'm not positive. But had some walks. A lot, lot of game. A lot of games between. Yes. That game and today. So. Anyways, though, it was a electric performance. He's missed. He missed his start. Or I think he's gonna. Think he's missing his. He missed his start last week because of the blister. And I think he's. Ex- well, I could be wrong. Didn't they say that he's not pitching this week? Um, I know he missed. I think they said like early. Early next week, maybe. Yeah. Something I read. Yeah, I think there's some. It's something like that. But so it, maybe like another week. But I can't wait for him to get out there, just because he's it, it, he's electric on both sides right now. It's fun. Um, yeah, and when in doubt, if you have to pick right now, just start him as a hitter. I mean, yes. if you have any doubts in your mind, because he's obviously been great. So. Yeah, and he's not taking the time off that he was taking last year. Last year he was. The day before and the day after he started, he was not hitting. And then the day he pitched, he wasn't hitting. So that was three out of the six, seven games of the week right there. He was not. He was guaranteed to not be playing. And it, it seems like they're taking a different approach this year. So that's a good thing for his value, even if you're playing in weekly leagues there. Yeah, definitely. Um. All right. I just wanted to start off talking about it, some of these lesser names, previous unknown hitters, off to great starts that are near the top of overall hitter rankings and fan tracks in the early going. And I picked three guys here. I picked uh, Tyler Naquin, who was all world last week. And going into tonight's games, we're recording on Tuesday night. He has a 290 batting average, 389 OBP, with five home runs and a steal and. I think he was leading the league with 14 RBI, or at least the National League there. Then we got Ryan McMahon, who didn't Naquin have a three-homer game last week before I move forward? Isn't that true? No, I think two. Okay, he had I the two. I don't think he had a three. McMahon had the three-home run game, and he's hitting a nice 324 with five home runs and one steal in the early going. And then there's, out of nowhere, Yermin Mercedes, Mercedes, hitting 500 with a 556 OBP and two home runs in eight games. Are there any of these guys that you feel more confident than the other, than the others that could be real here with these three? Uh, I mean, I think if I had to pick one to be real, it would be McMahon. And it feels kind of crazy to say that because of how much <laughs> I ripped him before the year. But a lot of that, just had to do with uh, at bats and how much they've jerked him around too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I just I can't really get behind um, the other two guys. I think it's a hot streak that's probably going to go up in flames pretty quickly. I mean, that's all I really feel like it is. If if they're still relevant in June, July, I'll I'll gladly be wrong. But just how I feel about it. You know, Naquin, I feel like he's the same guy he's always been. And McMahon, I'm curious. I mean, right now the really nice thing about him is he hasn't struck out much in these first 26 or 10 games, only 15% strikeout rate, but it's early. I mean, last year, 34%, pretty much right at 30% the previous two years. That's a big thing for him. If he can cut the strikeouts down playing half your games in cores, that can be huge for you, so... Got to keep hitting, putting the ball in play. But 
Mercedes is a weird one. You know, this is a guy that nobody had. I mean, he was not. I think I think I heard that he was drafted in 28 NFBC leagues this offseason. So he was not owned in many of the leagues. And, you know, is this guy more than anything a thorn in the side for Andrew Vaughn owners? You being somebody who drafted Vaughn everywhere. I mean, this is this guy's got to be annoying the crap out of you, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's safe to say. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, it's just it's pretty ridiculous. But it, I mean, there's still there's other things with the Vaughn stuff going on right now. But uh, like Tony Larusa, I mean, I don't. Yeah, I don't blame them for playing Mercedes while he's hot. I mean, that's totally fine. Like whether or not it's going to last is different than playing him while he's hot. I mean, I get it, but. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously he's not going to play the outfield, so that kind of just leaves the left field spot. But, yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's largely an unknown, and I just don't really think it's going to stick. The weird thing with Naquin is he hasn't even started the last two days against a righty. Mm-hmm. That's, um, the, that's the problem there. Yesterday and today, uh, Aaron Sanchez and Gaussman, so, and he hasn't been in the lineup, so it's kind of strange. I mean... Yeah, it's just hard for me to get behind those guys like long term. I'm not saying don't ride it out. I'm not saying don't pick them up, but I just wouldn't wouldn't have been that aggressive with um, like big monster bids on those guys. So. Yeah, I mean they got Winker, Castellanos, and Senzel. I just don't see Naquin even against righties getting regular at bats whenever those three guys are all right. Um, yeah, I just I think he's their fourth outfielder, and. Even when, like against a lefty, he's not going to come in there and play. Over. I mean, Winker sits a lot versus lefties, but I think Aquino, Aristides Aquino comes in. So, yeah, I just think it's going to be a fight for him to get pl- the playing time. So, um, yeah, I I think I agree that McMahon and Mercedes, I think, are pretty – I think I'm closer. Like, I think there's a chance with Mercedes. I picked him up in a few leagues, really not sure what he is. I just know that – Every year we have a couple guys that pop up out of nowhere. We also have guys that pop up and disappear, so he could be that. Um, well, I mean, really, no, we don't know. That's the thing with him. Um, I got some pitcher performances also that seem to be either big bounce backs or um, after their first few starts here, guys who at one point had value over the over the years, and we got Stephen Matz who has basically 12 innings, 13 Ks, a 1.46 ERA, whip under one. We got Johnny Cueto, who all, all these guys have two starts. I guess I should just say that now. 14 innings and two starts. So he's been going deep into games. I think he had a complete game in there with a 2.5 ERA, whip under one. We got Luke Weaver, 12 innings, uh, 11 strikeouts. Whip, whip is, I think, right at a 0.5 or just under that with a 2.13 ERA. Nate Eovaldi, who's gone 12 innings with a 1.46 ERA, 11 strikeouts, whip under one. And then there's John Gray in two starts, has 11 and two-thirds innings pitched, 1.54 ERA, 12 strikeouts, and a whip under one. So a lot of guys who are, you know, throwing about a strikeout and inning here in this first couple starts with low ERAs and good whips. Any of the, anyone on this list excite you? Uh, excite me, no. Um, 
I think that they're all kind of in that let me know what the matchup is and I'll let you know if I'm starting them type thing. I mean, I think that you can use all of them in the right matchup, but they're also guys that in a bad matchup I still am afraid of. So pretty pretty much all of them. I feel like they're all kind of similar. I, I agree with you there. I mean, there are guys on that list that, I'd be more likely to start than others, but I do think they're all guys who are streamer options. And um, I do want to mention Gray because, you know, I've talked about Gray a lot and I grabbed him a lot this offseason and last year in drafts. And last year went horribly wrong. His velocity was down, I think, two miles per hour. Ended up, the season ended early. I think it was a shoulder injury that he did not have surgery on but just rusted all offseason. And that velocity is back. And if I recall, I did not look this up before recording, but I'm pretty certain he's on the last year of his deal. And if the Rockies do the right thing, and I can't believe I even just said that out loud. because, (laughs) (laughs) But if they do the right thing, they would trade him during the season before he becomes a free agent and walks. But we... You know. Yeah, them doing the right thing. That's that's. <laughs> yeah, Gray had that good first start against the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously you're not you're not starting in there no nope. matter what. And then uh, the following week, I was going to use him because he was supposed to. I think he was supposed to face like the Giants on the road, but then it got moved. It was one of those where it was like I don't know if they had an extra starter in there, or an extra off day, or what. But then he went. So to he had another. Yeah, he had another core start, so I didn't I didn't use him. And then this week, he's at the Dodgers. It's actually tomorrow. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like tricky to use him right now, but something to keep an eye on for sure. I mean, once you get a few cushier matchups, potentially. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is a guy who was a high three, low four ERA guy, maybe even mid four, you know, pitching in Colorado for the last few years before last year's debacle. And, yeah, it's just one of those guys you watch and you can get some good stats if you just stream them the right way. But, again, I think all these guys are very similar in that way. They're just off to good starts. All right, Andrew, it's time for our first 15-15 and 15 on closers here. And before we get started, I wanted to mention the pitchers with more than two saves as of Monday when I started making these notes. Mark Melanson was the leader with five saves. Jake McGee with four. Alex Reyes and Diego Castillo tied for third with three saves. Meanwhile, we got Aroldis Chapman, Liam Hendricks, Josh Hader, and Edwin Diaz, as of yesterday before the games, had a combined one save. What on earth is going on? Yeah, I mean it's it's just small sample stuff. I mean it'll it'll even out. It, saves are they're just weird. They come in bunches sometimes. I mean it, the studs will get theirs. I think I heard Rob Silver say on the Launch Angle podcast this week that something like fifty four percent of the saves. I may be off on the percentage, but it yeah forty four. It was I think forty four forty four percent of the saves that have been a. Um, gained over the over at sent going into whatever oh whatever he took the stat probably sometime this weekend 44 percent of the saves were uh, were actually in the nfb like they were in people's lineups in nfbc 
So yeah, or not not in not or in. something. I Maybe think it that's was like what it 56. was. Yeah, something like that. Right around half, though. Yeah. And it seems like more and more right now, teams are there are more and more teams that are jerking around, like just putting they're working matchups, which is probably the smart thing to be doing with these teams, but. It is made for frustration for a lot of fantasy owners. I mean, they're, um, we're going to go down a lot of lists, and or we're going to go down and talk about half the teams here where something has either not the season hasn't gone like I th- we thought so far, or there's a sketchy situation, maybe a closer getting blown up. We've got 15 here. And the last thing before we get going, I actually, you know, instead of using my phone and sounding kind of and not having the greatest audio, I've figured out how to get this sound into the podcast to where we've got our own little sounder and I'm just going to save it for you guys to hear whenever we get to it, whenever we get to zero. Uh, <laughs> Andrew and I played around with it before we started and it's lovely. You ready to get started on this? Yep, I'm ready. Okay, we're going to start off with the Blue Jays, and as we mentioned last episode, uh, Kirby Yates had Tommy John surgery, and Jordan Romano's ADP skyrocketed late in March draft champions drafts, and here we are with Julian Merriweather getting the first two save chances for Toronto. Andrew, are you dropping Romano in some leagues now, and how confident are you that Merriweather holds this gig down? Well, he left the game tonight with uh, hip irritation. Merriweather did? So, I def- yeah, I definitely wouldn't uh, drop Romano yet. I probably wouldn't have anyways, though. I mean, depending on the depth of the league, I suppose you could. If it was like a 10- or 12-team league, you can for sure. But, um, yeah, I would I would hang on to Romano, especially now, and see what happens. I think, I mean, obviously Merriweather's the main guy, but um, – He's had a lot of injury history, too, so, yeah, it's hard to say. I, I think I'd hold Romano for for now and see what happens. I guess Merriweather today came in after Romano, correct? Um, I'm not sure if Romano entered the game. I, I'm not positive on that. Yeah, I, I would have said going, like, until— He did. The, he, actually, he did, actually. I would have guessed that until the injury happened, which that's the thing. Like you said, Merriweather has a history of injuries. Yeah. Boom. That's our new that's our new buzzer. <laughs> Enjoy everybody. We got 15 more of them to come. <laughs> okay, we'll move on to the Orioles and we got Tanner Scott. He was the trendy name in this bullpen at the end of spring, but Cesar Valdez and his mid-80s heat is in the closer seat. Valdez or Scott rest of season or do you want anything to do with either of these guys? Um, I would take Scott rest of season. This bullpen, I mean, I don't care that much, really. I don't believe in Cesar Valdez at all. So I would probably take Scott, but I think the true answer is just whoever's getting the saves. So Valdez got the first one or two, but then he I know he had a blow up in there. So, yeah, I think Scott's better. Does that mean he'll get the saves? No, but um, I would take him rest of season. Do you think anybody on this team gets 20 saves? No. I agree with you there. And, I mean, at some point, we're going to have um, Hunter Harvey returning, and maybe he's the actual guy <laughs> maybe. getting saves. I think, yeah, yeah, maybe. I don't, I don't 
God, I'm just, I don't believe in him staying healthy at all at this point. Yeah, it's tough. All right, we're going to move over to the race. We went under a minute now, so you don't get the bomb this time. Um, with Nick Anderson on the injured list, Diego Castillo has the first three saves for the Rays. And I have to say, after looking at the names in their bullpen, I'm starting to wonder if anyone's going to steal more than a handful of saves from Castillo while Anderson out is out. And, you know, that was my big complaint about this bullpen last year in terms of they just had so many guys and they didn't care about the role to where they were just able to throw anybody in there. But I'm not sure if that's going to be the case this year, especially while Anderson's out. Would you agree with that, or do you, or will the Rays do what they've done and just keep driving everybody nuts, switching out closers, or at least save chances? We'll see. I mean, it looks like Castillo's the guy as of now. Um, if I had to bet on somebody getting the bulk of the saves, it would definitely be him. He's gotten the first three, like you said. So I think you have to roll with him. He's been good. He's been the guy kind of in the past you know Mm -hmm. on and off but you know the majority i'd say if you want to call it that in tampa but yeah i mean i think he's probably the guy for now at least um and then you know it's probably one of those things though with a couple bad outings it could flip right back so just something to something to keep an eye on i think it was rob friedman i hope i got the name right for who tweeted uh did you see a tweet i think i retweeted it today of um of a gif of his sinker from yesterday's game. Did you no, mind chance see it? I did, no, I didn't. That I don't know how anybody hits that pitch from Diego Castillo. I was somebody struck out on it and it was sick, just riding down and away from a left. <laughs> <laughs> I, I forgot I hit I had stopped too quick on that. Didn't ever get everybody to get the bomb full bomb effect, so I'll try to do better here. <laughs> All right, we got Cleveland, and we got James Karinchak. He was a, by the end of draft season, he was a five to seven round draft pick in a lot of leagues. And it looked like he was the league guy to be the closer for Cleveland. But he struggled with command in the spring, and that's not new. He was like that last year. He just struck out two guys per inning, so he was able to get away with it. But... Tito Francona gave the first save trans chance last week to Nick Whitgren, and the next two save chances have gone to Emmanuel Classe. Andrew, I know you've got a vested interest here. Who leads Cleveland in saves this year? Uh, I'm going to say Classe 50% because I believe it, 50% because <laughs> I want it to happen. Um, but I'm not surprised that it's not Karinchek, at least not right now. I still think he'll get some at some point, and, you know, maybe it bounces around. I mean, all these guys are talented. I wouldn't be that shocked if Whitgren had it for a while either. But Classe's gotten the last couple. I think he's really good, and it just makes a lot of sense to me to have Karinchek as, like, the high-leverage guy and Classe getting the saves. So I'm going to say Classe, but not real confident. You know – Whitgren is not a guy who's got, or I'm sorry, not Whitgren. Karinchek does not have a history of being a proven closer. So now that Klasse's come in there and excelled in two outings, and Karinchek, I mean, they he's been dominant as an eighth inning guy last year. I can't help but wonder if that's just going to be like, we're just going to ride this, and Klasse's got to blow up. How about that? I say blow up right as it goes off. <laughs> for For what it's worth, for what it's worth, Karinchek is in now for the save in the bottom of the 10th. 
You're kidding. Uh, has Colossae pitched already? No, Bieber went nine, and Cleveland scored two in the top of the tenth, and it's two nothing, and now it's bottom of the tenth. I know Colossae. Colossae might yesterday. he might have went the last couple days though. Yes. I, I'm not two of the last three maybe. That's, I don't know. I so they may be mix, mixing it up a little Please. bit. Digging under. All right, next up we got the Royals, and I just want to start this off and say, shoot me now. Um, Mike Matheny during spring said that he wasn't going to have a traditional full-time closer and he wasn't kidding. Greg Holland was the highest drafted reliever in drafts this off season. I think Josh Stomont was second. Well, here we are two weeks into the season and I haven't looked at tonight, but the going into tonight, the Royals have three saves and neither Holland nor Stomont has one. Instead, Wade Davis, Kyle Zimmer and Jesse Hahn each have a save. Jesse Hahn and Kyle Zimmer. Andrew, I know you have Holland shares. I've got one. It's been two weeks, but do you still think Holland ends up with the most saves here? And if you don't, are you dropping in redrafts at this point? He just got the save tonight. Hey! Um, came in with two outs in the eighth. Well, that means you're not a- cutting them. It was a little shaky, but no, I, I wasn't cutting him because there it hasn't been established. Like I wouldn't cut a guy like that, regardless of what happened tonight. I wouldn't have I wouldn't cut a guy like that if it's not set in stone who it is, and it isn't set in stone yet, really. So, um, yeah, I would still hold with Holland, or you know any of the other guys if I had them. But yeah, I, I still think it's Holland, but. Uh, not real confident. Yeah, I grabbed Wade Davis for four bucks in our Rotomasters League just because I don't trust Mike Benthini. I think Holland should be the guy with that job at this point, but I don't trust Matheny at this time. He seems to bounce around, and the thing with Wade is he has had success bef- before and after Colorado. It would be, it would be so Wade Davis to come in and <laughs> screw up all my Greg Holland shares. That yes, would it would. Definitely. Makes sense. All right, moving on. Detroit Tigers. Brian Garcia and Gregory Soto each have a save. I have to admit, I haven't been following this one as closely. Any thoughts on these two so far or going forward? Um, I think Soto's the better pitcher. He's also the lefty. Um, I think the last time Garcia came to the game, it was like 8 to nothing. They were down. I don't know if that was just to get him some work or what, but. I think he's only pitched like once in the last week. So tough one here. I, I don't really know who it is. I have no confidence that it's, you know, like Soto's the best pitcher in their pen, but I'm becoming more and more convinced that like teams don't care that much about that as far as who's getting saves. So, or at least a lot of them. So I don't know. I, I think this one can go any direction really. I've got nothing. So that sounds good to me. All right, next up we got the Angels. Um, Rysel Iglesias, he has two saves, but he's also given up a run in three of his five appearances so far. That said, he also has ten strikeouts in those five appearances. Five innings pitched, I should say. Mike Mayers is also pitching pretty well, and he got a save last week when Iglesias had pitched the day before. Joe Madden does have a history of moving around closers and save situations and taking you know, removing people from their roles pretty quick and early. Should Iglesias owners be concerned at all? 
Uh, no, I wouldn't be concerned right now. I mean, I guess you could always say when there's shaky outings, maybe you're going to be a little bit concerned, but I don't think that they're pulling the plug on him as the closer for a while. Unless I just feel like it would have to get really, really bad. So, no, I wouldn't be concerned if I owned Iglesias. I don't trust Joe Madden, but I, I, I agree with you here. I, I wouldn't be too concerned yet. All right, moving on. We got the Oakland Athletics. They signed Trevor Rosenthal late in the offseason to be their closer, but he was surprisingly put on the injured list on opening day. And sure enough, uh, it came out that he needed to have thoracic outlet surgery, and he had that surgery last Thursday. And he's going to be out for several months, if not the full season. Jake Diekman was grabbed in many leagues as he was the guy most speculated would get the first save chance. Anyway, he struggled in the early going, and the A's haven't even had a save chance yet going into today. Meanwhile, their manager suggested Lou Trevino could get some save ops. He's pitched well and has pitched the ninth a few times in the last week or so in four or five run games, and I think he got his first save today. So, Andrew, would you recommend spending some fab on Trevino, or would you be more likely to go cheaper with other options like maybe Sergio Romo or Diekman if he's been dropped? How aggressive would you be in fab on Trevino? I got Trevino in a 20-team redraft for 102, so 10% of my budget. That's not bad. And I know that there were some main events where he went for over 300. So felt pretty good about it. I think that, you know, it's kind of like one of those things. He got the shot today. He closed it out. Um, I, I don't know. I never really felt like it would be Deakman. I've actually kind of thought uh, J.B. Wendelkin would be the yes. guy possibly, but um, it sounds like it's Trevino for now, so you got to pick him up for sure. Would you drop Deakman at this point, or would you be trying to hold on to him in these, in these leagues with seven bench? I'd drop him. I agree. Okay, now we got the Texas Rangers. Uh, everyone's hurt. Jose Leclerc underwent Tommy John surgery at the end of March. Jo- Joel Re- Joel Re- Joely Rodriguez has a sprained ankle. Matt Bush is now out 12 weeks with an arm injury, and that left Ian Kennedy to rise up from the ashes. And he's off to a solid start as closer. Uh, four innings, six strikeouts, and two for two on save ops. We've seen Kennedy have a nice run before, but we've also seen him fall apart just last year. He got 30 saves in 2019, and in 2020, he had a 9 ERA and a whip that was closer to 2 than 1 at 1.786 in 14 innings. So, on a scale of 1 to 10, how confident are you in Kennedy? Uh, I would say like a like a 4 or 5. I think that he's likely to get the opportunities right now. And that boosts him up a little bit. Do I expect him to be really good? No, but I don't feel like that they've got too many other options. And I think it just makes way too much sense to try and get him some saves, build up his value a little bit and trade him later. Not, you know, potentially. I mean, so, yeah, I just I feel like he's probably going to be in the role and the ratios might be kind of ugly. But, um, yeah, that's just kind of where I'm at on it. Yeah, it's his job to lose. I think he's going to have to be real bad before they'll 
do it. And that's a good point. I think they would like for him to hold that role just to see if he can get, get some trade value and they can get something for him in July. That's a good point. Yeah. All right, moving on, we have over to the National League. We got the Marlins. Anthony Bass started the year with the closer role, and he's already looking to have lost a gig. Next up is Yimi Garcia, who grabbed a save over the weekend and even pitched one and a third innings on Monday night, getting the tough part of the Atlanta order out and getting the win. Are you, how are you confident are you in Yimi? Uh, fairly confident. I mean, I feel like he's pretty good reliever kind of always felt like that even when he was with the Dodgers um Bass had just kind of got bit by the small sample monster a little bit you know just had the rough couple outings right here at the beginning and um yeah it's just tough like all of this stuff is just such small samples that um whenever it's not a clear-cut guy if you aren't performing i mean you're going to get replaced pretty quickly that kind of looks like what's happened here so i feel like you have to be fairly confident in yimmy right now i'd probably put like a six or seven on it okay so how much fab would you have did you try getting him in fab or see how much he went for yeah i wasn't even close i i um i think in the couple leagues where i went to bid on him i just didn't really need saves or like one of them one of them i think he was owned stuff like that so yeah i i think he went for a lot more than i was trying to get him i tried getting him in leagues too and i failed everywhere all right next up we got the cardinals jordan hicks is almost two full years removed from tommy john surgery but he opted out last year and this year he was he was eased back into pitching in spring games he was okay didn't look great i rem- i remember specifically that 24 22 24 pitch at bat against the Mets third base backup guy. I always forget his name. But anyways, um, wasn't missing bats on that at bat. I, I mean, the guy just kept fouling everything off, despite the fact that Hicks was out there throwing 101-102. Anyways, uh, the Cardinals announced on opening day that Alex Reyes would be the closer to start the season. And that's what and, and that the Cardinals would ease Hicks back into that role eventually. And Reyes is off to a great start. I think he's got three saves. And Hicks is pitching pretty well too, though. What are you what are your thoughts on this situation overall? I think it's Reyes for the foreseeable future. I don't really see it changing much. I mean, he's been good and I just I feel like it makes sense. So I I can definitely see a world where Alex Reyes is a top five closer at the end of the year. I can see it too. The only thing that I think will get in the way is if the Cardinals decide they're going to make him a starter and just yeah. try. That's the only thing. Like they have no reason unless Reyes fails to go back to Hicks unless they're going to make him a starter. But I think that that rotation is going to be rough enough this year that they're going to try. I And I hope they do. Reyes still has four really good pitches, and that's a starter profile. He, I, I believe he's a starting pitcher still right now, and I want to see him get that shot. I hope it happens. Yeah, they definitely, they definitely could do that. 
Okay, the Pittsburgh Pirates. Now we're on to Richard Rodriguez. He was the guy drafted this offseason in fantasy leagues to be this clo- be their closer, but he also wasn't having a great spring. Thankfully, he's been pretty good to start this year so far. He has the only save the Pirates have have this season. Uh, there was a lot of talk of Bedner in that bullpen, and then Crick was injured, but he's coming back. But would over under 25 saves for Rodriguez this year. I'm going to say over. Okay, so you're pretty confident in him holding that gig then. Yeah, I just don't believe in the options behind him. Yeah. So. I think Bedner's interesting. I think he might be their next closer here at some point, and, but I think it's going to take Rodriguez getting traded, which could happen. I mean, he's not a young chicken, and the Pirates like trading anybody who can get them anything. So, but yeah, I'm with you. I think Rodriguez is looking pretty good so far in the early going. Okay, um, Cincinnati Reds. We got Amir Garrett and Lucas Sims each have two save chances. Uh, Garrett's two for two, but he's also given up five runs in three innings so far. Sims is only one for two, but he's given up two run and he's given up two runs in three and two thirds innings so far. And he got the save yesterday. Do you think this will be a full-blown committee all year? You know what? I haven't followed this one real close. Um, I don't have a ton of thoughts on it. I I was thinking, because I have Sims in one draft and hold, and I, I just haven't had to use him yet because I don't know if I just don't have enough guys injured or what. But, um, yeah, I haven't followed it that close. I like Because if, if you're following it close enough, obviously, I mean – you can kind of see the patterns and know who the closer is without actually knowing, or at least know who they prefer or seem to prefer. But I haven't followed this one close enough. Have you like noticed anything or I have zero shares of these guys. I have not followed this one close. Either. I felt like it, I felt like it was Garrett coming in, but yeah, I haven't, um, I haven't I just haven't seen too much of it, I guess. Either, I'd start either one in a lot of these 15-team leagues because saves are so hard to find unless you've just got two rock-steady rock closers and you've got a lot of starters. I'm probably playing either one of them. Okay, next we got the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, they have one save chance so far, and it went to a guy who no one owned, Chris Davinsky, who I definitely remember from his days in Houston a few years ago when he was the really good setup guy that's right correct he was the yeah okay yep i watched that ninth inning versus the padres uh nine days ago when he got that save and he gave up a 460 foot bomb to tatis in that inning but held on for the save we got cracked and he was rumored to be in the rooming running but he's not off to a good start and joaquin soria who you and i both have shares of he's now on the injured list do you want anything to do with Davinsky or anyone else here at this point? No, I mean it's. Have, is that the only save chance? I don't feel yes. like they've had many safe safe chances. That's have the they? only one. I yeah. Doing all of these, I I went to fan tracks and searched teams by saves just to make sure I looked at who's got what. Who's got what? Yeah, yeah. I've got Crichton and Soria in some leagues, and of course, you know, Davinsky's the <laughs> guy that gets the save. So kind of annoying but i guess that's the game you play when you're taking late relievers so i wish um, yeah kind of a wait and see thing i i feel like it could be anybody here 
I wish I had taken some time to look up and see how many drafts he was actually taking in Davinsky because I doubt it was that many. <laughs> yeah, not too many, I don't think. Nope, but he got the first chance. I don't think he's going to hold that role long, though. I just I think that's a ticking time bomb. No, I'm not saying that as the time's about to go off this time, so no joke. <laughs> Moving on to the Dodgers, um, this one I think we could go on for a little bit here. Uh, Kenley Jansen has two saves, no surprise there, but so does Corey Kniebel. And I watched a lot of Kenley's save chances and appearances that first week, and it was he didn't look that good. A lot of 90-91 mile-an-hour fastballs, cutters, and he didn't seem like he was missing bats. A lot of hard-hit balls out there on the field, I thought. And he blew a save last week, and Knievel came in for the second save chance um, that next day because uh, Dave Roberts said after the game that the reason Knievel got that chance was because um, he didn't want to use Kinley in three, or three of four games, basically, three times in four games, or four days, I should say. And sure enough, Kinley was out there for the next save chance this last weekend, and he had a clean, clean inning with two strikeouts, and... I looked, he was more in the 93-94 mile an hour range with the fastball that day. So that's a good sign. Andrew, we both have Kinley shares. What's your level of concern with him right now on a scale of 1 to 10? I'd probably put it at like a 3 or a 4. I'm not really that worried, Um, at least not yet. Uh, Knabel has looked good, which puts a little bit of heat on him. Um. But I, I don't know. I just feel like that the there's going to have to be Kenley blow-ups coupled with Knable continuing to pitch awesome for it to potentially flip. And um, I don't know. I'm just not that worried about it yet. But it can happen quick. I mean, as we know with, with these guys and closers and stuff, it's just it can happen quick. But I'm not too worried about it yet. I was more concerned last Thursday, Friday, but when I saw Kinley get that save in pretty good fashion on Sunday, plus Knievel's out there pitching the seventh inning. You got um, Blake Trinan pitching the eighth, which means we're not guaranteed that even if Kinley was to lose that role, that it's going to be Knievel out there getting the saves. So I that I backed off my fab bids on him once I noticed that Kniebel was even out there in the eighth inning that game. All right, uh, my final one is actually two teams put together here because I think they're pretty similar. Both of these situations, this is the Padres and the Giants. They were murky in the spring, and both have an emerged closer, and both of their closers have a lot of saves in the early going. Jake McGee is the Giants' closer. He's got four saves, and Mark Melanson is the guy in San Diego, and he leads baseball with five saves. So if those two... Who close, holds the closer role for their team longer this year? Oh, man, that one's tough. Um, I think, man, it's tough. Because I feel like, uh, I'm, uh, I don't know. Who do you say? I don't want to. I'm like on the fence here. I'm not I'm, sure. I'm on the fence too. I'm going to say Melanson, but both of them you could make an argument for. I mean, Jake McGee is with the Giants, and you know they're not going anywhere. And he could get traded halfway through the season if he's pitching well. That's a, there's a very good chance of that. 
But Mark Melanson doesn't have that fear. But San Diego's competing, and they can't mess around with this role. If he was to have a bad couple weeks, I think they'd be more likely to plug pull him. But I'm going to say Melanson, but I don't feel strongly about it. Yeah, that's kind of – I kind of had similar thoughts. Like with, with McGee, I feel like he could get traded. He could – I mean, like the Giants are going to be less incentivized to yank him. Um, San Diego's got a lot of good relievers, so I feel like Melanson has to continue to pitch well. But uh, that said, Melanson's not going to get traded or anything. So, I mean, he could theoretically – I mean, he could lead the majors in saves, you know. So – yeah, it's close. I'll say I'll say Melanson too, but I don't feel strong about it. And that wraps up our first 15 and 15. And right off the bat, guys, tweet me, leave a comment, send me a message on Messenger. Let me know what you think of the bomb. <laughs> if you like it, great. If you don't like it, let me know. Well, because we've got other timers. I'm curious to hear your guys' thoughts on that. What'd you think of it? Um... Uh, I, I let me listen to it. I'll have to listen back to, <laughs> to hear it. But um, yeah, it's good to change it up every once in a while. Yes, um, Andrew. Is there anyone else? I mean, we've got a lot of people. We've we've talked about a handful of people here, but there's all kinds of performances that have gone on and stuck out in the last couple of weeks. Has anybody else caught your eye that you want to discuss here? Oh boy. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff going on, but, um, I know we kind of mentioned it during the show and I've ranted about it a couple times and, um, regardless of, you know, how invested I am in fantasy, I just do not understand what the White Sox are doing with Andrew Vaughn. It makes no, it makes absolutely no sense. Like it, he's up in the majors burning service time and he isn't playing really. I mean, he's, he sat yesterday, he sat today, he's been playing against lefties and I think he's played against one righty maybe, but one or two, but I mean, and, and, and regardless of that, like, like I said, I kind of mentioned this yesterday, but if he was sitting for guys that, it made sense to sit him for, or, you know, I mean, he's sitting for like Nick Williams and Billy Hamilton. And I mean, it's just, man, I don't like, it just makes absolutely, it just makes no sense. Like zero to me. I mean, and and to a lot of people, I mean, I've seen a lot of people talking about it. It's, it's just, uh, wow. Crazy. It's like something the Rockies would do. I mean, to be honest, that's, that's what I've been thinking about this. Like, is this a situation like, uh, you know, Hampson and McMahon? Obviously, I mean, Vaughn's a better prospect than those guys, so it doesn't really, like, completely jive. But I just don't get it at all. Like, his defense may not be great in left or anything, but left field defense isn't that much of a priority especially when you consider the difference in the bat with the guys that are playing over him. I just, you don't sit your best hitting prospect. Like it just doesn't make any sense to me. You know, the comparison I've been thinking of from this last week uh, in terms of with Vaughn, what it reminds me of is I remember when Trey Turner just came up 
and Dusty Baker was messing around with him for the first couple of weeks he was in the majors. Dusty basically said that, you know, you've got to earn your spot, basically. And eventually Trey did earn it, but it felt ridiculous at the time that he was sitting whenever the Nats needed a jolt, too, at that time. And, you know, the White Sox, for starters, I'm not at all surprised about this. I mean, I don't remember if I've said it on these waves, but as a Cardinal fan, I watched Tony LaRusso those last few years, and he drove me nuts, and I really felt like the game had passed him by 10 years ago. So I'm not at all surprised to see that he's doing this with a youngster who's coming up, especially when he's got this guy, Mercedes, who's hitting real well. That's been the other wrench in this. I don't think if Mercedes had done any of what he's done, I think that Vaughn would be their everyday DH right now. But because of him hitting well and, you know, Vaughn hasn't been terrible, I don't think, but... He hasn't done anything to like show LaRusso that he's got to be in the lineup every day yet, which it's not fair. He's got the pedigree and he should be just given the at-bats and he's going to get there. But it's, it's incredibly frustrating to see, like you said, Nick Williams, Billy Hamilton, guys yeah, like that getting I mean, put in left like field. Tonight, like tonight, Nick Williams and Jake Lamb started in left field and at DH. And they went 0 for 8 with 5 Ks. Now, hopefully... Obviously, Beaver pitched, and none of the, nobody did anything. But you know, hopefully, it just triggers something. I just, I like I said, if it was a legitimate major leaguer that was playing over him, I I wouldn't be near saying nearly what I am. But these guys have been cut, and not even I mean, they're barely even major leaguers at this point that are playing over him. It's just crazy, like. They're just, they're not good players, you know? It's just it's so bad. And it's not like they had this really good defensive left fielder out there before. They had Eloy Yeah, Jimenez. and I mean, look, look across the league, though. It's like left field defense doesn't, I mean, look across the league at all the left fielders. Like, they're mostly there for their bat, most of them. Like, it, yep. left field is a bat spot, typically. It, the arms in right, the defense is in center most of the time, and you got... You hide your left, left. Field, your your left fielder is typically a pretty good bat that doesn't have a strong arm and isn't a great defender. I mean that's generally what it is. So I mean there's exceptions, but you know what I'm saying. It's just wow. Yep. Between that and Tony Larusa, I think that same Sunday night game we were talking about with Otani starting at the beginning of the podcast, he left Liam Hendricks to not pitch along with the second and third best relievers in a tie game in the ninth, tenth innings there because holding them back for the saves, holding Hendricks back for the save. I'm just uh, – I did yeah, – that was not yeah, a good hire. That. that was not yeah, a good hire. I remember hire. that. So the, the two guys I want to bring up before we get out of here that are both really standing out to me, and I'm sure we'll talk about them a lot this year if this keeps up, Tyler Glasnow and Corbin Burns. My, oh my, what the, those two are having amazing performances. I posted in the Baseball 365 group that um, the list of pitchers I would take if I needed one dominant start um, at, at this point over the, the list of pitchers I'd take over Corbin Burns is getting smaller and smaller. I mean, there aren't many guys at this point that I think I would take over him for a one start, and it might just be Cole and DeGrom. I think Bieber, I mean, I think they're pretty dang close. I think you could make an argument for Giolito and 
Um, and then there's Tyler Glass now. Actually, our friend Walter McMichael commented and said Glass now over Burns, and I'm like, I think I'll take Burns, but it's pretty dang close. And then Glass now goes out and just has another monster performance last night. And um, shifting over to him, the big difference. Have, have you seen many of his starts yet? Who's that? Burns. Uh, Glass now. Uh, bits and pieces of him. Yeah. He's got a slider. I've got, I've got him in one league. He's got the slider going, and that's a new pit. Like that's the one that's really made the big steps or a new pitch. I don't. I don't know if he didn't throw it or if it's, or if it. He's just developed it. But that third pitch has made him look ridiculous out there in his three starts and. Those two guys, I think, may be working their way to where in a year or two, once they get their innings built up, they might be first-round picks. I think both of those guys have the have a shot to get there here in the near future. Yeah, I'm I'm not really surprised by anything those guys do. I like, I think we kind of even mentioned it. At, I don't know if it was on the starting pitcher preview or when, but um, the question with those guys is just going to be yeah. volume. It's yep. not it's not going to be what they're doing in the innings they pitch. So Yeah, anybody who was staying away from them because of the innings, you don't have to I, I think I heard this on Pitcher List or one of these podcasts I was listening to last week. You don't have to feel bad that these guys are out there throwing dominant because I don't think anybody was questioning these two uh, their ability. I mean I think Glassnell may have had a few questions, but I didn't hear much about Burns. And in the grand scheme of things, they're dominant pitchers, but they're not going to be able to get the innings that you're going to get from Garrett Cole and Shane Bieber, most likely. It's just yeah. they got to get those it'll built be, up. It'll it'll be really fun if they do. I mean, that's really kind of what it comes down to. We'll see. I mean, it's long season. It's hard to say exactly what kind of volume they'll provide, but they're obviously they're obviously going to be great when they're in there. Yes. Anybody else you want to touch on? No, not not specifically that I can think of offhand. I think it's been a and there's just so there's so much going on. It's kind of just taking it all in, but I think we've covered a good bit for tonight. So. Enough for today. And we'll try not to be we'll try to be back a little sooner. I wanted to get a little time into the season before we came back so we didn't just hop on here and say, "Yeah, we'll have to wait and see 3 days in on everybody." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we'll come up with some good stuff to be talking about here in the next couple of weeks at some point I'll try to like I want to once a quarter try to do a trading podcast like we've done twice in the last year with the dynasty trades. And we might wait till May to do that, but maybe we'll even try getting a guest or two on. I know last year or the year before we got Tim McLeod on and for like a early season just to be talking about who he was picking up. I think that'd be fun. We probably need reach out to him and see if we can get him on. But Yeah, sounds sounds like a good idea. Yeah. So, I hope you all are enjoying baseball. I know I sure am. I sure am. I'm watching more right now than I have the last few years, I feel like. So, it's just it's been fun. It's so great to be able to uh, watch it. So great. It's so great, man. Every <laughs> night, full season we've got. I mean, it's looking good. I mean, we had to deal with the covid stuff with the nationals that first week but you know what as compared to last year where this happened to the marlins and cardinals and seemed like they took two full weeks off at least we got through it in four days which is a lot better yeah yeah definitely here's to watch more baseball and until next time take care everybody yeah take care guys
Thanks again for listening to the Baseball 365 podcast with Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Be sure to check the show notes for all the details on today's episode, along with quick links to Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question, a comment, or a suggestion, we would love to hear from you. You can find us at the Baseball 365 Facebook group or send an email to us, baseball365pod at gmail.com. And if you like the show, take a moment, rate us on iTunes. And once again, please join the Baseball 365 community on Facebook. That's where baseball lives 365 days a year. 